1: everybody, and welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibbiani. I'm a film critic
0: for the internet. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a film critic for that internet. Ah, that you, good old internet of you hours. You know the one. Yeah, you know was, the internet in uh, air quotes. It's, not in so many words. It's been pretty dicey over in that internet. I'm going to start my own internet. I think that's a you, really you should, good idea. should come <laughs> Come over to my internet. It's, okay. it's going to be a lot more pleasant over in my internet.
1: You, you joke, but seriously, can we do that? Because that sounds great. <laughs> that sounds really just, sweet. Just
0: move out of the one that that kind of got everything can messed we, up and start a new one.
1: Like it's, it's, you know what? It's not too late to just call the internet a fad. Like, <laughs> when you think about when you think I, about I, like I, all all like the various artistic like movements and everything throughout the you look mm. at art history and they'll call like a fifty year old art trend a fad, mm. and you're just sort of like.
0: The internet is 50 years. Okay. By, by 50
1: years, but in the grand scheme of things, so inter- that's not much time. That's like one generation. internet
0: from like the rudimentary series to now, it's been only about 30 years. Yeah, so yeah I uh, think we're good. we're good. We're good. We can we can shut it down Moving now. on.
1: At least social media. I think social <laughs> You realize that social media, this is true.
0: Uh, social media as we know it today mm-hmm. is not as old as Pokemon that's true yeah uh, facebook.com started in 2003 oh uh, but then
1: but even you go like before that like the first site that is considered a social media site oh. it's like 1998 all right like it's really <laughs> we, we don't have to commit to this we really hasn't been going on that long. <laughs>
0: That's my plot of the new James Bond movie. Yeah. It's usually some rich bazillionaire who's just going to take over the world with, mm. like, death machines. Yeah. What if it's, like, a bunch of mild-mannered Canadian hackers who are just starting their own internet, and they're going to shut down the old one? And it, everyone will be better for it, but James mm. Bond realizes that'll be chaos, so he actually, like, tries to fight him. Well, if it's chaos, but it'd uh...
1: be a Get Smart movie.
0: Oh, well. Fair enough. <sighs>
1: Bit of a deep cut. Bit of a
0: deep cut. Moving on. Uh, This is week number two in our pilot season here at Cancel Too Soon, which means two things. Uh, One, every series we'll be covering this month will be a pilot.
1: A failed pilot. A failed
0: pilot that either did not sell or aired as a TV movie. Usually that's both. Hmm. Um, uh, It also means that we'll be debuting our own... Debuting? (laughs) Debuting. Debuting our very own pilot Uh, Four of uh, podcast pilots. Take it over. Take (laughs) it over. Try it again. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Take two. We're going to be debuting four podcast pilots of our very own, which our Patreon subscribers will get to vote on.
1: That's right. Our Patreon subscribers are the development executives at the Cancel Too Soon TV studio, and they're going to tell us which one of our bonus podcasts will go to series. Right now, you can already listen to the pilot episode for Cancel Too Soon, the home game, in which we reviewed... Trump card. Donald Trump's game show from 1990 <laughs> and 1991 that nobody talks about anymore. Mm-hmm. And we'll explain why. Uh, and uh,
0: next week... Because his lawyer paid us off. <laughs> Politics. Uh, I'm sorry. That topical. Was topical. <laughs> That's not true. We don't know his lawyer. Uh, mm-hmm. This
1: week, mm-hmm. we're going to be debuting a new series called Average Fest. <laughs> Which might be the worst idea we've ever had. (laughs) But the idea is that most podcasts are about really good movies or really bad movies. We're trying to find the most mediocre movie ever made. Mm. And we're going to start with a little romantic comedy called Mickey Blue Eyes. A movie in which Hugh Grant finds out that his fiancé's father is a gangster and gets involved in the mob. Mm -hmm. It's really quite average. (laughs) And we're going to explain how average
0: it can get. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but that's only for... And you. Ha- everybody has access to the pilot. Mm-hmm. If you want to vote on it, however, you have to be a Patreon subscriber. That's
1: right. And then once we pick a series to move on, that will only be available for Patreon subscribers. Mm. That's going on over there. Over here, we have a very interesting failed pilot. It's a pilot that I think a lot of people have heard of. Not everyone has seen. Mm-hmm. And it's very topical this week. Because the- Netflix, mm-hmm. in all of their wisdom... Has decided to develop a huge budgeted new television series reboot of the classic Irwin Allen sci-fi series Lost in Space. Lost in Space. You know it. Yeah, it's about people who get lost in space. Even if you've never seen it, you know it. I think it's pretty straightforward. It's Swiss Family Robinson in space. That's why it's the Robinson family. Space Family Robinson. Yeah, they get lost in space. Will they get back?
0: I don't know, I didn't see the last episode of the series. (laughs) uh, 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 What's a... Turns out Janeway from the future comes back in time and helps them. Violating the Temporal Prime Directive. Ah, damn you Voyagers! You ruin everything all the time. Every episode had so much promise. But between
1: Lost in Space, original series in the 60s, Mm. and Lost in Space, the movie... What do you think a lot of people remember from the late 90s?
0: Well, Less in Sp- there was Lost in Space, the movie, that was 1998. Yes. And then in 2004, mm-hmm. we had what we're about to talk about. Which is a little series called The Robinsons, Lost in
1: Space, directed by John Woo. That's right, directed <laughs> by John Woo. Um, the action movie legend behind the killer, hard-boiled, mm-hmm. face-off, the last Thing he did in america before going back to china because american movie making sucked was look, a pilot episode look, he, for a uh, reboot of lost in space
0: i i will defend face slash off to my dying day me too it's great uh that one is fun it's way over the top in a great way and it, it's like one of the heights of like that type of 90s action like high concept 1990s action yeah absolutely like it, It's really, really great up until that stupid boat chase at the end. And even the boat chase is cool in a vacuum. It's kind of cool cool by itself, but it's like, why why is there a boat chase? And what's crazy is that this Um,
1: stupid ass movie about Nicolas Cage playing a bad guy, John Travolta playing a good guy, they swap faces and mess up each other's lives. Uh huh even that this was at a time when like John Travolta and Nicolas Cage were really highly respected actors <laughs> and they both brought their A game to it yeah, like it's actually yeah, like yeah. a really good acting tour de force mm.
0: for both of them like even the, though the plot is stupid like they studied the characters walks and they like worked together so they could play each yeah, other it's, it's really really great it's a fun movie um, then he also did Mission Impossible 2 which is awful it's not very good um, he also did Wind Talkers
1: well, I think they were trying to make a decent I mean, World War 2 movie and they failed I think he did one other film in America? Paycheck. Right?
0: That's right, paycheck.
1: And before, uh, which also sucked, is a really bad adaptation yeah. of the Philip K. Dick story. Um, before uh, uh, the movie everyone talks about, Face Off, he had done Broken Arrow, which is okay, uh, and uh, Hard Target, which I is Simon also West okay.
0: Did Broken Arrow? No. Oh, all right. Yeah, that was John Woo. Okay, so so he did a few notable American action films, but. His best films are the ones he made in Hong Kong.
1: Uh, pretty much, but uh, he did work a little bit in television. Mm-hmm. He did two failed mm-hmm. pilots, one of which we'll get to eventually, starring Dolph Lundgren called Blackjack. <laughs> <laughs> I believe he plays a character named Jack. I could be wrong. Uh, oh, the other one dear. he did was this pilot episode for a Lost in Space reboot. This was made for the WB This Uh, was before it was swallowed into the CW. That's right. Shortly before. It was only a couple years later. This was a time when the WB had a couple of genre shows, but the genre shows were mostly about people in small towns occasionally having to deal with a monster like... Smallville, which mm. you know had a budget but didn't spend it a lot of the time, so they could spend a lot of time with teenagers doing teen stuff. Mm. And Supernatural, which occasionally had some really cool monsters and stuff, but was mostly a road trip movie, mm. about a uh, road trip series about guys traveling across America. I'm not it's, decrying it's, either of those shows, but they weren't super expensive.
0: Supernatural's currently in its 28th season, I believe. Something like yeah. that.
1: It's still going strong <laughs> and good for them. I, I haven't watched it in a long time, but seriously, any... Episodic adventure show of the week that lasts that long, yeah. That's that's kind of a miracle, Mm -hmm. and I give them nothing but crap, but nothing but props. Good job. Uh, but yeah, Lost in Space was kind of a novel idea for the WB at the time. It was an ambitious pilot. The pilot is rather expensive, as we'll talk about. Mm. Um, and it was also coming at a time when there weren't a lot of TV reboots the way there are now, yeah, that's Um, for sure. There were some. But like this would, this would have been a real feather in the cap. And what I think is really interesting is that the Lost in Space pilot debuted at about the same time as the pilot for another hugely ambitious sci-fi series reboot, Battlestar Galactica.
0: Mm-hmm. And indeed, they cross over in a strange way, and we'll a, get to that.
1: In a very strange way. But even just conceptually, it's worth noting that they have very similar premises, both mm. of them are about... Uh, they, have, they have identical premises. Well, one of them is a, is a larger scale, but like mm. it's about uh, a group of human beings who get lost in space and they're uh, trying
0: to find a new home. Du- uh, due to the fallout of an alien invasion.
1: Um, Well, in the original Lost in Space, that wasn't the case.
0: No, but in this one, it is. It is. So, like, the new Mm. ones,
1: they're very kind of closely connected. Mm. And what's also really, really weird is that one of the things everyone remembers from the original Lost in Space is the character of Dr. Smith, who was this spoiler character, if you will. Mm. Um, There was the whole family of the Robinsons, and they're very wholesome and very nuclear. And then you had the saboteur. The the stowaway. Yeah. Yeah, the saboteur is responsible for getting them lost in space. He's there the whole time, and he's just kind of manipulating everyone. And he's really shitty And they never know How much they should trust him The John Woo pilot For Lost in Space Does not have that character You know what pilot Mistake! Did have
0: that Mistake Hold on
1: You know what show Did have that character Battlestar Galactica Battlestar Galactica <laughs> Dr. Turned- Smith They turned Gaius Baltar Into Dr. Smith
0: Fair. oh yeah I guess so
1: they did it's really interesting actually like how they just I, I never they, thought of it that way but they, yeah you're right they Gaius Baltar was originally in the original series not on the uh, the Galactica the whole time he was mostly on the outside obviously an enemy in the Battlestar Galactica reboot series which I love hmm. uh Guys, Baltar is on the ship the whole time, and he is the saboteur, and he's constantly trying not to get caught, manipulating things behind the mm. scenes. They just mm. switched that. It's super
0: <laughs> weird to me. So, in the original, uh, Dr. Smith was played by Jonathan Harris. The great uh, Jonathan The great, Harris. the wonderful Jonathan Harris, and he sort of defined everything in television. <laughs> just <laughs> just, just watching- The it, whole, the whole medium, really. The, he, just all of television. No, just watching him overact is, is such a delight, and, uh. Then they did that 1998 film where they really tried to grit it up. They A little They tried to make bit. it really high octane and made slicker special effects and sexier space outfits. And Have you watched ro- it recently? I don't want to. It's not good. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember not liking it at the time. I think I've seen it once since then.
1: What's incredible about the Lost in Space uh, reboot mm-hmm. is that the cast is actually pretty neat. You got mm-hmm. William Hurt. You got Mimi Rogers. Uh, you got Gary Oldman as Doctor Smith. Mm-hmm. You got Lacey Chabert. Back when that was cool. Back when she was like in par- doing Party of Five and not like Hallmark movies. Not that she's have anything problem, but like this was a good time for her.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And you had uh, oh, and uh, Heather Graham. Heather in Graham as, well.
0: as the older daughter, yeah. and then yeah. is the
1: hotshot badass action star pilot played by Matt LeBlanc. <laughs> Matt LeBlanc in the <laughs> Friends years, and what's <laughs> weird about that is that when you're watching Lost in Space, the movie, because it's not very good, Mm. it looks like the kind of movie Joey would star in. (laughs) Like, you're watching and it's like, this is a weird Friends episode where Joey starred in Lost in Space. Because, Mm. man, I got nothing against Matt LeBlanc. I think he's really funny. He is not an action star. He just does not have the toughness. Every time he's trying to sound tough, he sounds like he's trying to sound tough.
0: It was just sloppily made. It was really... I hated that sort of make everything cool attitude that's the Mm -hmm. my least favorite thing about the 1990s
1: well what's interesting is that yeah yeah, they they tried
0: to take something that was sort of like wholesome or intriguing and then they just sort of laid a layer of action over it i feel like they did that with uh, and it was like just clunky colorful kid-friendly action occasionally Mm -hmm. it worked when you're doing an original thing like uh the fifth element big colorful balls to the wall action and that's a fun movie also starring gary oldman then you look at something like Judge Dredd, where they're trying to shave oh, off all the edges and trying to make it really. Ah, that movie killed me. It. That movie hurt my soul. But I, I weir- think Lost in Space is about as good as Judge Dredd, <laughs> which is which is to say quite bad. Yeah.
1: Uh, what's interesting is, have you seen the pilot for the original Lost in Space? Have you ever like sat back and, and watched it?
0: Uh, no, I don't think I have. Okay,
1: the pilot. I
0: rewatched the pilot
1: episode of Lost in Space because mm. I because I, I don't have time if I watched the unaired series. pilot or the aired no, pilot. The aired pilot, right. the one with Doctor Smith in it. Because originally, the Lost in Space pilot was, there was a disaster, they got trapped in space, and then they reshot the pilot to add Dr. Smith, because they realized it was a little, it wasn't dramatic enough, they needed yeah. some a, an antagonist in it. Um, the original Lost in Space pilot is really quite good. Yeah, <laughs> Like, it's cool, like, it was, it's... Lost in Space was created by Irwin Allen, who was basically the master of disaster.
0: Irwin well, Allen. A little later. He was he was just a TV guy in the 60s. Well, but my point is And then is he started making those disaster movies. We know him as a disaster filmmaker, yes. or a disaster producer at any rate. And...
1: You look at Lost in Space, Lost in Space is a disaster movie, and the way that the pilot was laid out was very much like a conventional disaster movie. They established that we're in the future, there's going to be a huge uh, 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 frontier-like voyage into the unknown to try to find a new uh, place for humanity to live. And we establish all of these technical so and so's, and then we watch as they all fall apart because of Dr. Smith. Uh, you know, they, they lose gravity. They have to go outside into the void of space in order to fix things. The, the robot goes haywire and starts trying to kill everybody. And it's like, it's actually like just very well constructed, pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. Like, if this was just a disaster movie, that would be a good movie. Mm-hmm. So when they added all of this lame action shit onto it, it just <laughs> kind of like, we didn't need all of that. No. However, what I will say is that the Robinsons Lost in Space actually finds a really good balance. I think uh,
0: it, it feels like a TV production, mm-hmm. uh, which of course it is, but uh, that that precludes a certain kind of uh, melodrama that you wouldn't find in a feature film. Uh, kind of a a little bit heightened version of these characters, so they feel a lot more like archetypes. And a lot of the look, Uh, even even though it was a big budget production, it still looks kind of like a TV production. And I'm not sure if John Woo was trying to kind of pay homage to the sort of clunky cardboard sets of the original, because it was a cheap show in the 1960s. It was
1: expensive. Uh, it was kind of expensive. Kind of expensive. Like,
0: expensive. But, like, yeah. It, it, it was no more or less sophisticated than Star Trek, which, you mm. know, can look cheap at times. And and worth
1: noting, when people mm. like, because Star Trek spawned a hit motion picture franchise. Mm. It's had, like, what, seven TV spinoffs now. Lots of merchandising. Lost in Space had better ratings than Star Trek.
0: It sure did. It actually <laughs> did. Like Lost um, Ace
1: was more popular than Star Trek originally. I just think it's interesting that Lost in Space now has a less respectable
0: well, maybe, maybe uh, this, uh, tradition. Maybe this new Netflix series will bring it back. But maybe. We'll it's got Parker Posey, so I'm down. Um, yeah, she plays Dr. Smith. Yes! That's really <laughs> good casting! I'm like, woo! that sounds really fun. Uh, and, uh, another conceit is the robot is not something they built, but it's like a, a metallic creature they encounter once they get Lost in Space.
1: Also kind of fun. Mm-hmm. But I digress. Uh, where, where was it going? Okay, so like the new series... Is again, they got to remember where it came from. It came from the WB. So it, and this is a time when WB was synonymous with
0: Everwood. And, and lot, Seventh Heaven. A lot of really weepy family and teen dramas. So the
1: idea of taking this family sci-fi series and really focusing on, on mm. that dynamic mm. uh, kind of fits the WB. And when you look at like the first couple of scenes, take out the exposition shots of like spaceships flying around. The opening scenes are straight out of any WB series. It opens yeah, it, with... It,
0: it's not even necessarily sci-fi. It
1: opens with... A, a big party celebrating the retirement of John Robinson. John Robinson, the father, is played by Brad Johnson from the Left Behind movies. Mm-hmm. The original one's not the Nicolas Cage one. Uh, he's there with his wife, Maureen, played by Jane Brooke from Don't Tell Mom, the Babysitter's Dad and Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> uh, their daughter, Judy, teen daughter, mm-hmm. played by Adrienne Palicki, who we run into a lot on this show, don't we? <laughs> we saw her in Wonder oh, Woman. We saw her in Aquaman. You know her from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and The Orville. Uh, and their two sons, Will Robinson, played by Ryan Malgarini from Gary Unmarried and Freaky Friday, and David
0: Robinson, who Mm. is new. Uh, Another Robinson, bonus Robinson. Yeah, they
1: have another teen son, uh, uh, who they've never had in any other version of the show, and I have a theory about that, but I'll talk about it later, uh, played by Gil McKinney from Once Upon a Time and ER, and, uh, Penny, the youngest Robinson daughter, is a baby in this movie, in this, uh, pilot. Uh, John Robinson is retiring he's retiring from the military turns out 15 years ago aliens attacked and John Robinson was instrumental in defeating and repelling the alien menace and bringing peace back to the world now he's retiring to spend more time with his family they're going to move to a faraway planet called Nova it is a farming planet and as with every teen story ever the first 20 minutes or
0: so are mostly about kids who don't want to move Kids who don't want to move and uh, the religious, or religious, the relationship angst of uh, the the teenagers. Yes. So Adrian Palicki at this ball uh, spies a hot boy Mm. and then sneaks off and does something with him. I assume that they... At least made out a lot. Uh, yeah, like, made out a lot. Maybe they had sex, but it's mm-hmm. not ever said. Uh, the,
1: the hunky dude is Don West, Captain Don West, uh, the pilot mm-hmm. of the Lost in Spaceship, the Jupiter 2, in all the other versions of the series. Here, he is a hotshot military pilot played by Mike Irwin, uh, who was on Everwood. He was also the voice of Jack in the Jack and Daxter video games. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, those are good games. Right. So that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, she yeah. has she has a, a secret relationship with this mm. guy. She's wearing a really
0: awful dress at that ball. Oh my ball. god, the, the costumes the, are pretty bad, the, the, actually. The, the future clothes on this show were... I mean, it's not quite as bad as Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty bad. It's not good. Yeah. Uh, let's see. All those see. Like, da- goofy dancing singlets they had on Deep Space Nine. Uh, <laughs> David
1: Robinson is dealing with uh, his his belief that he cannot live up to the legacy of his father. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his father keeps pushing him to do better in school, to be better. And this just keeps alienating him further. Dad wants to connect. He can't quite seem to do it. That's their drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, Will Robinson, the youngest, who is, of course, also a tech genius, uh, is being bullied in school. He's scared of bullies on a new planet. So so he builds himself a robot protector that
0: looks like one of the cybermen from doctor who
1: yeah kind of it, it yeah. doesn't look
0: like the lost in space robot it like has that, like a head and shoulders and iron giant proportions
1: uh maureen robinson her real dynamic is that she's kind of trying to keep this family together Mm. but it's also worth noting that that's not all she is she's actually she's a she's a doctor and we see Mm. her uh uh, being very talented at her job um and when the shit hits the fan towards the end of this uh episode she kicks ass like i really Mm. like her character i think she's (laughs) she's really exciting um and that is the main cast that's their that's their deal the thing is, is that the opening of the episode is basically in like some Marriott ballroom somewhere. And then but in it, the future. In the future, but it's a Marriott ballroom. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing fancy. And then it cuts to the Robinson household. Which looks like the household from Point Pleasant, it's just a house. There's nothing it's, futuristic about it. There's no it, hologram. It, it's kind they of a, try to make it futuristic in any way. It's kind of like way.
0: minimalist modern. At least it's not like a cottage. But yeah, it does just look like a house by
1: today's standard. This is taking place in like 2089 or whenever the hell it mm. is. And yeah, that's that's a cottage by that standard. <laughs> like if you if your house was indistinguishable mm. from a house in 18, I'm sorry, in 1910 okay if your house was indistinguishable for a house in 1910 wouldn't people say wow that's real
0: retro of you there should have been some sort of comment. Wow, look at this refrigerator. This thing is... How old is this refrigerator? Like, it looks like a regular fridge. It's super And weird. they're just, like, pouring out orange juice and eating Eggo waffles. Like, this is just a regular suburban household. I know they're trying to really highlight the normality of the Robinsons. In fact, in all of the Lost in Spaces, that's sort of their their shtick. That they're mm-hmm. just sort of an, a normal nuclear family. That's
1: why they were selected for mm-hmm. this. It's, it's just because they will have a wholesome yeah. dynamic that won't interfere with the mission. And then, what, of course, Dr. I, Smith shows up. Well,
0: also, it won't interfere with the drama in any sort of untoward way. I was really mm-hmm. pissed off uh, when uh, Discovery, before Discovery, uh, Star Trek Discovery was released, when they kept on talking about, we've always been hamstrung by this Roddenberry rule, how there's not supposed to be any sort of interpersonal conflict, and characters aren't allowed to yell at each other. I'm like, yeah, but that's that's good. People work well together. That's what I want to see. It was a utopian future. That's the point, is that everybody yeah. can work well together and ki- and work really hard to overcome their differences. And that's the drama of uh, how they get to work together, not how they're always yelling at each other. And I think that's a, something we can look forward to in, in any version of Lost in Space. We have this family that are always going to be a, a unit, and they might have some interpersonal conflicts. Yeah, the kids will bicker or There's whatever. There's going to be some bickering, but at the end of the day, they all love each other. That's kind of the, the binding principle of the series. I think there are these
1: ideas that we have about storytelling because... Mm-hmm. Conflict is inherently dramatic, or certain kinds of behavior make for bizarre uh, uh, controversy or drama, Mm. and... At the same time if we're gonna grow not just as a culture but as an art form we have to find ways to tell stories without all that bullshit yeah that's yeah. not to say that we need to put it in a box and never use it again but like
0: we need to but we need to stop leaning on it so hard you
1: know it was great in like Black Panther like all of like the protagonists in Black Panther are like really positive with each other yeah like yeah. the brother and the sister they really love each other everyone was really cool like it was that was a that was <laughs> something that like the and the end the threats came from outside of this positive dynamic now you can't have that in every dynamic because in a real life doesn't always work that way but in a story that is fundamentally a fantasy mm. whether it is black panther whether it is lost in space which is science fiction but not very hard science fiction very fantastical science fiction mm. we want to look up to something the robinsons are a positive
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah are a
1: positive group of people for the most part mm. now here their interpersonal drama is a bit amped up a bit in a wb kind of way but even so it's Pretty the, humdrum. It's pretty straightforward stuff.
0: The, the, there's uh, there's so nothing the,
1: you feel like you can't. They can't get over
0: the central conflict. A uh, teenage girl just doesn't like anything. She's just pissed off that she's moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, she just had an affair with this hotshot young pilot. Mm-hmm. Turns out he's on the ship, and like she didn't know that. Uh, and he, and, didn't, and know he her- didn't know that that she was like the star. Well, Part of the star family that's being transported. And dad is a war and dad hero. Is a and, dad, yeah. and if dad
1: doesn't like that he's dating his mm. his daughter, he could ruin Don West's career.
0: Yeah. Which yeah. is a legit concern. Uh, mom and daughter are kind of at each other's throats because is keeping secrets. Mm-hmm. Um, Will Robinson seems a little bit uh, kind of enjoying a lot of this adventure. They say that he's bullied at school and he built a robot, but he doesn't strike me as a, a very fearful person. He's Mm -hmm. actually a pretty forthright, cheery person. I got
1: the impression that if we had seen him at school, we would have seen just how awkward he was, but just in the family, just on a ship, just messing around with, Mm. you know, electronics that's where he and, feels comfortable and, and, and indeed, so, indeed this is uh, freeing for him
0: I, I love the establishment shots of the interior of the jupiter 2 because it's actually they play this like really kind of tinkly electronic score which is mm-hmm. really terrific and it's just will wandering around the hallways for a few minutes i'm
1: 90 percent sure that that tinkly score that you're thinking about mm-hmm. is actually from the Battlestar galactica theme
0: it could be yeah this was a new one yeah, yeah. The, it could have been just been a scratch track on the version we saw
1: yeah w- I would not surprise me at mm-hmm. all the jupiter 2 in this version is not some fancy exploratory vessel it's it It is a pleasure cruise. Yeah. It's it's a cruise. They're just, they're taking a ship to another planet and it's a huge ship full of people. And as they get on the, the ship and as they talk about all their interpersonal stuff, there's a couple of weird things start going wrong. And John Robinson is a war hero and they ask him to come on to the, to the, the uh, bridge the bridge, yeah. uh, just to say, hey, there's this weird thing going on. What do you think? And he sees that there's a weird glitch in their monitors mm. and he recognizes that that is a trick that the alien uh, enemy has
0: done. Like, I think the de- aliens- yeah, 15 years ago. Or the aliens are never
1: named, are they?
0: They're, I think they're just the aliens. They
1: never say that they're like the Zentradi or anything. they just the, cr- the aliens. Cr- cr-
0: Cringatorians. Yeah.
1: But apparently that's something they do is that they project what they want you to see on your screens so that you can't see them sneaking up on you in space. Mm. And then he says, okay, yeah, turn off the screen and let's just see what's going on right outside this wall. And it, there's a huge alien and fleet. And it's a
0: dogfight like from Star Wars. And you know what? That's cool. That's cool. That's a good really moment. cool.
1: It's, a good, it's good suspense and then it builds mm. to a huge moment. And then the second half of the pilot is nothing but action. I know. Isn't it disappointing? I liked it! I thought it was
0: fun! So what happens is the Action is boring. No,
1: but John Woo does good action.
0: Awesome is boring. John
1: Woo does good action. What he does does real well is he varies the action. It's not just
0: the same shtick over and over again. Each set piece is different. There are some alien invaders, and unfortunately... I know there's not really a way around this, but, you know, the invaders are just guys in suits, and that's yeah. fine. I like alien, alien guys in rubber suits. It's fine. But when you have to, like, hit a guy in a rubber suit and have him sort of whip around and do stunts, it really highlights the rubberiness and fakeness of the suit. It does. So you just see, like, a bunch of, like, rub- guys in rubber suits falling over onto the floor. And in the when I see those alien fights in movies, I always try to picture it, like, without the shaky cam and without any music, just being there on set. It's like, okay, Fred, fall over. Okay, I'll just fall off. Okay, we need another, like, just picturing the stunt guy in the suit falling over and just how awkward it is. Yeah, you
1: remove all that artifice and it's just two dudes fighting. Then mm-hmm. it might be kind of cool in person, but mm-hmm. when you add all that extra stuff, it's silly. Here, the aliens look like really muscly gray aliens.
0: And they have, like, long mouthy snouts. Like, I, I, think they were wearing, I, think,
1: I think they were wearing, like, giant gas masks,
0: like World War no, I. No, they, they World took War it II. off and they had, like, big long mouths Oh, you're well. right, yeah. sorry.
1: But for no, a lot of it they're wearing, mm-hmm. I guess the, the air isn't breathable for them. They invade the ship. People are running around like maniacs, trying to get to the escape pods. Uh, Turns out that the Robinsons, like, whole, uh, like, whatever whatever the living quarter was going to be on space is Mm -hmm. itself an escape pod. Yeah. So they're trying to get the whole family back there. But, of course, they're all dispersed because they're all mad at each other. (laughs) So, uh, uh, oh, God. Judy... Judy and Don mm. they fight off some aliens and it's actually kind of cool they're having a big fight he tells her to get back to her family he's got to go fight some dudes an alien shows up the alien starts fighting Judy Don West starts comes back to save her and then she kicks the alien's ass when it starts fighting Don mm. and I'm like okay I like all this can, <laughs> I know Adrian Palicki can handle herself in a fight I'm glad the show acknowledged mm. this and didn't turn her into a damsel in distress that would have been lame meanwhile the mom who doesn't know everything that's going on yet she's in like the, the home with the on the ship with, with the baby baby, Mm. and the aliens are breaking down the door, and there's a really suspenseful bit where you're not sure if the alien's breaking down the door, or if like the dad is breaking down the door in order to save her, Mm -hmm. and then it opens up, and it's the alien, and you get this great slow motion oh shit moment. (laughs) John Woo knows how to use slow slow motion. A lot of people ripped off John Woo. He also
0: knows how to overuse slow motion, but he does it well here. True.
1: What I think is interesting about John Woo, and I think the reason why people kind of got the wrong lesson from John Woo,
0: Mm.
1: he knows that there are two times to use slow motion in a movie. Or, or, in this case, a TV show. Mm. One is to slow down action so that chaos can be followed. Yeah. Which is something that happens in a lot of John Woo movies. There's a huge shootout. It would be impossible to tell what was going on if you played it in real time. He knows mm. to t- slow it down so you can tell who's doing what, where, and how it's in fact impacting everything. And he does that here. He also knows that the other time to use slow motion is for suspense. Because mm. what happens is when you have a moment in your life where everything just falls apart that's when your life goes to slow motion and just everything just, like, stops <laughs> as you realize your whole world is shattered. Mm-hmm. And when she sees the alien, that's that bit. That is a great, not complicated, but a great little bit of suspense. And it was mm-hmm. very well directed, I thought. Um, John's John gets back to the, the Robinson family pod, but then it turns out that Will and David had both gone out to find him
0: or find Judy. Yeah. Um, well, we failed to mention that... Uh, the conflict between Dad and David and David's fate, which we'll get to. But well, I
1: think we mentioned it. They're they're at odds. The, the, David feels od- like he can't live up to Dad. They're at to odds, save.
0: but right before all of the action broke out, uh, Mom gave Dad some advice saying, "You need to go to your older son." And I, I love how they refer to their kids as your son or your daughter rather than our son or our daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to go to your son, and you need to you know say to him that despite all of this hard pressure I've been putting you under, all you need to say is, "I'm proud of you, boy." that's it and that's it instead of saying you can do
1: better I believe you can get better grades and let's just say I'm proud of you the way you are
0: yeah and it's good advice and he goes to goes to his son and says just wanted to say one thing to your son oh hang on there's aliens invading and he leaves (laughs) and I knew right in that moment boy gonna die (laughs) Um, so yeah they
1: go yeah. off to rescue Will Will and Don get in this huge action sequence where they're going to get sucked out of an airlock which oh. is pretty cool but this is a really early pilot and the green screen is still there and you can see all the cables holding them up yeah it's fine, it's,
0: it's, fine. It's, it's kind of fun to actually see that you can use your imagination <laughs>
1: honestly they play it well enough yeah. like it still works it can just it's just kind of funny to yeah. actually see those, those things still in the, the show they rescue Will, they finally get Will, they close the door, and then they realize, wait, where's David? <gasps> oh, shit! But by that point, they've already launched. Mm-hmm. David is stuck on the ship with a whole bunch of aliens, we don't see what happens to him. And what I think is interesting is that we're, obviously, the audience is left to assume he's died.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The Robinsons just say, no, we'll get him back. Uh-huh. Like they're, He's family, we know he didn't die. Uh-huh. We believe he didn't die. But they do get sucked through a wormhole and end up on the other side mm-hmm. of space. And that's the end of the pilot. A wormhole,
0: which is just right there, by the way. Just this big, gigantic wormhole talking about, hey! I, I,
1: I think they said earlier on that they were, like, flying past it as just sort of, and if you look out the right side of the ship, you'll it's, see it's the like Grand Canyon. The, yeah, it's or, like the
0: Grand Canyon. And
1: here's the Nebula wormhole. Everyone's heard about it. We can't fly much closer. Or we'll get sucked in, folks. <laughs> oh, no, aliens!
0: Here, left! Shit! So, so they fly in. They show up somewhere in space. They don't know where they are. They are lost in space. The end. Yeah. And you know what? It's a pretty good pilot. I liked uh, it. I, I like this way better than I like the 1998 film. So much better than um, 98 film. the 1998 film. The interpersonal dynamics, I think, feel a little bit cheap and a little bit WB-ish. As They're I very before. WB-ish. Yeah. Um, but I, I appreciate this type of panicked action escape over the really contrived action stunt spectaculars we had from the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and... They didn't get too far up their own butts. Uh, you look at the uh, the 1998 film, and there's like a pocket of like time travel, and there's a virus. It's like a spider virus that turns oh into a spider. I think real stupid. And, and then and well, the, 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 there's, there's that
1: a, movie is okay until that's like okay, they're lost in space. Now what? Right. And then they have no idea what to fucking do. They could have done literally
0: anything and they did all the wrong things. In the original Lost in Space, there was a monkey. In the 1998 Lost in Space, there was a CGI monkey... There's no monkey here. We don't need a chim-chim in this universe, okay? No. Just get rid of it. There's no monkey here. Positive change. Mm-hmm. We don't <laughs> need
1: anything cute to mess this up. Yeah. Robinson family is adorable enough as it is. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much.
0: They have a robot. That's enough of a sidekick. The robot's cool.
1: I like how they managed to use the robot to save the day, but only by like, oh, the ship doesn't have enough power. Well, the robot has a battery. Hook that up. Yeah. Like, that's how the robot well, and, saves the day, not by punching anything. And
0: also, they, like, Will is able to just sort of plug the robot into the engine so he can just give the engine voice commands commands. Like, fly us out of here. You got it. That's <laughs> like, cool. Which makes me wonder, why doesn't the engine just have that?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Maybe why do you need a pilot at all? Maybe it's so that the passengers on the ship can't fly it. Uh, yeah, I suppose we, so. We want to make sure they actually end up at their destination and people don't just steal it. <laughs> it's like a, By just saying, hey, let's go somewhere else. Okay, you got it. It's
0: like, it's like at the movie theater. You can probably buy your own snacks, but, you know, they want to make sure that It's being curated (laughs) with a little bit of expertise. Well,
1: one thing I noticed that, like, at the movie theater, they don't have a lot of crinkly bag snacks. Not anymore. Not anymore, because that's annoying as fuck.
0: Popcorn still comes in bags. It's still crunchy.
1: Well, it's crunchy, but when you're, there's no, like, um, do I have anything that's, like, crinkly on here? Here's
0: here's a receipt on your table. Yeah, okay,
1: like, it's like when you're in a movie theater, Uh you want to just open up a box real fast and then just eat. You don't want to have to do this. And you're trying to open it real slow uh, so that people don't hear it, but what you never remember is that they can totally hear it because uh, it's a quiet movie theater, Yeah. and they all want you to just rip the fucker open <laughs> just real fast, just do it, Just pull off the band-aid, just...
0: Here's my, uh... Done!
1: That's better! That's better. I feel like I've given that rant three times lately. It's just,
0: <laughs> I want that to sink in! Here, here's my ideal, uh, concession stand. Uh, no spirits, but some booze. Nice beers, nice wines for the adults. Yes. Coffee and tea. hmm Some soda for the kids. Sure. And Water. No food. Water. 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 No food. No edibles. At only all? drinkables. No, not E-Y-Y- at all. Why not? Mints, maybe, to chase off your coffee breath. <laughs> you want something you can kind of chew on. That's my ideal concession stand. Well, no, no, one, right. no one should be eating during movies. I'm kind of a... But I know I'm kind of a fascist about that.
1: Um, the other thing I think is worth pointing out about... Before we talk about where the show would have gone... Mm. The Robinson's Lost in Space came out a couple of years after 9-11. And I think that's one of the reasons why there's a more external threat in this one. And the reason why it's a world that, makes that has been reshaped by war mm. and paranoia and families dealing with a father who has been absent. Now, obviously, it was, it was right afterwards, so they weren't really thinking about it in the past tense too much. But this is something we also saw in Battlestar Galactica. They're both stories about tragedy and people dealing with tragedy mm. and dealing with trauma and concerns of you know, an well, other alien menace that has uh, also a- attacked us. Obviously in reality, there were just people who did it, but here it, monsters. It, and this,
0: this doesn't really read in the Robinsons, but it definitely reads in, in Battlestar Galactica. I've only seen the, like the three hour pilot of the new Battlestar, but uh, the notion that not only is there this external threat, but all of a sudden, The the whole universe is now kind of a a larger unknown space to you, which kind of reflects American isolationism. Sure. How Americans are... We don't speak other languages, and we don't really pay attention to the rest of the, the world the same way, like, a European might. And... Yeah, Battlestar Galactica and, you know, the events of 9-11 forced us to look outside and see that it is a larger and more complex world than we previously Mm -hmm. thought. Um, I thought Enterprise actually did that really well as well. The whole uh, third season of Enterprise was about how this unknown alien race came out of a portal and blew up the entirety of Florida. Wow. And uh, that was sort of its big 9 11 metaphor. Did not see and, and, that and the whole arc of the season was trying to track down who the heck these people were and why they had a beef with Florida. Um, <laughs> And yeah, there was this whole like time travel plot, and the, the, the I remember the time travel was, plot
1: from the pilot. Do you
0: remember a reference? You probably don't, but there was a reference to the Zindi Wars in Star Trek Beyond. I do. That, 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 that. was the whole third season of Enterprise they are referring uh, to. You know, that's fine. The, the Zindi <laughs> were the bad guys.
1: Exciting. With an X. All
0: the names we could come up with, we came up with Zindi. Zindi. Yeah. And the Zindi were like five different species, like sentient species that all evolved on the same planet. So there's like. They don't even know what species they're dealing with. Like, maybe it's one of the Zindi species. That's fine. It's kind of fun. Uh,
1: so anyway, it had some dramatic portent. It had a lot of familial melodrama, which worked sometimes well and sometimes really clunkily. Mm-hmm. The cast was fine. Some were better than others.
0: Um, Adrian Palicki's always a delight. She was she, she was like, like 19. She was really young in this she one, She was too. really young
1: in this. I think Jane Brooks is uh, uh, great. I actually mm-hmm. really liked her in this a lot, in particular. Um... What's the weirdest thing about it, though, if you're a fan of Lost in Space, is that there's no Doctor Smith. Doctor Smith was, again, directly responsible for the Robinson family getting lost in space, mm-hmm. and here we don't have that. And I have a theory about that.
0: You you think the other the bonus Robinson is the Doctor Smith? I think we're gonna find out his middle name was Smith. <laughs> ah. I know that's achieved I know that's not that's not in and of itself. Or cool, he was but, he was adopted, and his original name was Smith. I or... think or
1: maybe it's his mom's maiden name or something. Mm. But like, here's here's what I honestly think. I think David Robinson. Obviously, he wasn't going to die. It's too obvious. Mm. Uh, They were going to find out. They were going to try to rescue him. But the twist was he was the ones who told the aliens where the great war hero John Robinson was. Mm. Because he was alienated and estranged from his father. Mm. And because of that, they, they... Targeted him and they con- communicated with him through his internet or whatever like that. The point mm. is, is that he was responsible for the destruction of the Jupiter Two and for the family getting lost in space. But we wouldn't find that out until like p- sweeps week, yeah,
0: the, the, or something. The Finale like, of the first season, or, right. or
1: at the very least halfway through for some big twistaroo before mm. they went on hiatus for Christmas. You know, like that was gonna be the big thing because otherwise, that character is literally only there to die and mm. to raise the stakes. But if they're gonna commit from the pilot episode to saying he isn't dead,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what's the point? I, I read... Just to get him back? You can, There's cooler people to get, get Will back. Will's, <laughs> Will's a child. It's more of a threat. It's more exciting to get him back mm-hmm. because he's actually in danger more. And maybe his technological cleverness, we can keep cutting back to him with the aliens trying to break out, and that would have been really exciting. Mm-hmm. David is nothing unless he's a bad guy.
0: I I saw him as a a plot device, like Mm. a dramatic device, like that the father is going to have this extra layer of angst throughout the whole series, or at least the very first season, because he never got to say something to his son. And that's why he's going to be kind of tortured. And that's going to Mm. give the character a little interpersonal conflict. I think that's kind of a boring type of interpersonal conflict um, Mm -hmm. to put on just layer on as this extraneous thing for a character on a TV show. Uh, so, yeah, I, I didn't really see him as, like, the Dr. Smith. I actually kept looking for the Dr. Smith. There are like, mm. these, like, shots where they're cre- the camera's creeping down a hallway, and we're going to see, like, some, like, <laughs> celebrity guest peek their head around the corner. Who would have been big in 2004? Ah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: don't fucking know. Who would have been, been big, but would have done the show? That's been, the real question. Could have done
0: Parker Posey then. Why not? Ooh, yeah, <laughs> that would have been
1: fine. Um, that would have been mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to get to that character eventually, though. He's, like, this obvious, mm. like, empty space. I...
0: I think he, they might have set him up as like a Ben Gunn type from Treasure Island. Like mm. they get to some like the first planet they set down on, and it turns out oh. there's this nutty guy who's so been there that whole time. He's Tim Curry from Earth too. Tim Curry from Earth too. Yeah, yeah. there you go. They it's get t- Tim Curry from Earth too. They get, get Tim Curry. <laughs> Tim Curry'll do it. He's fine. Done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tim Curry was, was well
1: known for doing that. <laughs> he did that. That in was his too. catchphrase. <laughs> Ow, shut
0: up! You made that funny noise. In You're a too. funny
1: noise. Um. So yeah, that's that's the show. They would have gone off in space, they would have landed on different planets, they would have gotten in different adventures, mm-hmm. they would have tried to rescue David, David was probably the bad guy, or not. Mm-hmm. I don't fucking know, I didn't write it.
0: Great, <laughs> it's great, it's a great tactic to take on our speculative podcast. I don't know, I didn't write it. Like, well, um it's difficult to say how much of the show would have taken place on the Jupiter 2. Would it have been like a Star Trek Voyager thing where they're just sort of on the ship most of the time? Or would it have been sort of a frontier thing like Earth 2 mm. where they're on a one planet or a series of planets the whole time looking for some place where they can settle down? Yeah. Um, the original Lost in Space uh, kind of alternated a little bit, but it was mostly them landing on planets because they don't want to spend too much time on that little ship set. Um, but this ship set was much bigger and it felt a little bit like a cruise ship and they had a little bit more space to move around. I think most of this, this series would have taken place on the ship uh, and, you know, dealing with dwindling resources in space. And they would only land if they're running low on water because they say mm. that early on. It's like you have almost no food and even less water.
1: Yeah, they would have to find resources yeah.
0: somewhere. Yeah. So, yeah, it would have been sort of a salvage. And we've show. established
1: that there are other alien races, so at least one. and mm. So surely we would have interacted with one or two of them yeah. at one point. Some friend, friendly
0: aliens, would have friendly shown up at some
1: or point. or chaotic neutral, maybe I don't know. Like <laughs> chaotic just chaotic
0: neutral, just somewhere
1: in the middle. Maybe they're friendly, maybe yeah. they're not. I don't know. But we definitely hmm. would have come into contact with them. Yeah, we would have established what the heck was mm-hmm. going on.
0: So what I'm env- envisioning essentially is what I wanted Star Trek Voyager to be. <laughs> there you go, Star Trek. So Voyager. So what, you, what you're envisioning is the new Battlestar Galactica, more or less. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the whole point of being lost <laughs> in space is your resources are d- are dwindling. You can't just say, okay, now we have a hydroponics bay and food is taken care of. No, I want to see you struggle i with that. you want, I want you whole want, episodes devoted to that.
1: That's Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you need to watch Battlestar Galactica. I guess You I would did. really like Battlestar Galactica, the new one.
0: Yeah. We already reviewed the old one on yeah. our, on, our, uh, and I liked on that last one. June. I like that one just fine. It was cool. Uh-huh. I some good stuff. Um, I, I had some critical things to say and I just outraged Scott Mance. <laughs> Yeah. How, how dare you not say this is perfect? Well, here's my issue with it. Oh, Whitney, <laughs> <laughs> he was
1: so mad at us. He
0: was so mad at us.
1: Kind um, of nitpick.
0: Battlestar Galactica
1: was uh, the Robinsons Lost in Space canceled too soon? Should it have gone to series. Um,
0: I think it should have. I would like to see what they were gonna do. Same here. Um, it, it's it it didn't necessarily grab like my whole heart but I'm intrigued and I do want to see what what they were gonna do moving forward I guess I think this is
1: a solid pilot I think the changes they made are mostly good changes mostly mm. uh, rational changes they totally work on paper I think they work in the episode. In regards to why it didn't get made, I suspect it mostly had to do with this would be the most expensive show on the WB, Mm. and they weren't so ridiculously confident that they thought it would be worthwhile. Because, again, this would not be a cheap show. Like, Mm. every episode would cost a lot of money. This isn't like we're just shooting in some house and then, boom, there's a werewolf. Mm. There's got to (laughs) be, there's got to be, like, a lot of money spent all the time, and that was precarious. Uh, Battlestar Galactica, on the other hand, Uh, did end up going this series at a huge miniseries event, critically acclaimed uh, won a bunch of awards
0: Mm.
1: as Battlestar Galactica and uh, I assume in order to sort of recoup some of the expenses they made uh, from producing the pilot of Lost in Space Mm. they They sold the sets they (laughs) they sold the sets to Battlestar Galactica and the bridge of the Jupiter 2 eventually became the bridge of Battlestar Pegasus Battlestar Pegasus, the other Battlestar that shows mm-hmm. up in Battlestar Galactica, in the original series, it was captained by Lloyd Bridges, That's and right. in the new series, it was captained by Michelle
0: Forbes. Because of course, because they're kind of the same. No, Michelle Forbes will just she's under contract has with to be every, in every TV series. with every TV station. She has to be in every series. Yes, eventually. Mm-hmm. Like, you, yeah, know, you get to all of them yeah. at
1: once. She have to be in the pilot of every single mm. one. But eventually, she has to do at least one guest spot if they last long
0: enough. What What's that show where uh, one actress plays like five roles that, that was really hot? Orphan like, Black. Orphan Black. They, yeah. they should do an Orphan Black type show for Michelle Forbes. And
1: every character she's ever played in every show is just another clone?
0: Yeah, yeah. I like it. Like, she's, she's every character that she's ever played.
1: I like it a lot. I think that works <laughs> great. Um, anyway, the whole Battlestar Pegasus thing, as people remember from Battlestar, is one of the best storylines in that whole show, mm-hmm. in both the original and the new series. Um, and it's kind of fun to see the Lost in Space set there. I think it's kind of cute. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of neat. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that's Lost in Space.
0: Mm.
1: Bit of a shame. I kind of like this one. (laughs) I I thought this one was neat. Um,
0: Yeah, I'm I'm guessing once they had sort of found a groove and, like, we got sort of the the rhythm of the series, it might have gotten uh, a... a, It would have worked out the kinks and the problems I had with the pilot. Mm. Like, it would have been able to sort of streamline the relationships a little bit better. We would have gotten to know them a little bit better. They would have had more character rather than just whiny teenage girl, wounded father... You know, spunky boy. We, we actually would have had a little bit more to work with if we, like, each one had an episode devoted to them.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, that's then that's it. That's it for uh, this particular episode of okay. Cancel Too Soon. Uh, we'll have time to read a few letters, I
0: think. We do have a little bit of time, I think.
1: Uh, uh, but uh, be sure to stick around because pilot season continues and we will have a new episode of Average Fest. Uh, <laughs> reviewing Mickey Blue Eyes coming out in a couple of days. That will be available on Patreon exclusively for two days, and then it will Mm. eventually be released uh, to the public so everyone can enjoy it or not. It might Mm. be a bad pilot. Three of them are going to (laughs) fail. Three of them are going to be failed pilots for pilot season. Oh, God. Mm. Just engineering our own failure. Mm. Uh, And then next week, we will be back with a review of, as voted on by our Patreon
0: subscribers, the failed pilot for the people not based on the magazine no it's about amish the people yeah super powered amish people and guess who's in it william shatner oh yeah shatner guess who
1: helped make it (laughs) francis ford coppola in the 70s when that meant something when he
0: actually had some clout (laughs) yeah
1: so that's gonna be real fun to explore Uh, next week mm -hmm. and if you want to email us the email is canceled too soon at gmail.com that's canceled with one l
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's give a listen to one of our letters. Uh, this one comes from Glenn. Hi, Glenn. Hi. Uh, hi, guys. I'm a recent. Subscri- uh, he doesn't talk like that. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, he I'm a sense. recent subscriber, and I wanted to let you know that your fishing with John episode made me insanely happy. This oh. is this is not actually that old a letter. Okay. He just recently <laughs> listened to, to fishing with John. Uh, I saw this. I uh, first saw this series uh, when a friend of mine showed it to me in college, and it wound up being the first Criterion Collection DVD I ever bought. Oh, nice. Uh, over the years since, I tried to explain the show to lots of people. I used the tr- I got gotten used to the glazed looks folks get on their face when I start talking about talking about it. It's a fishing show but with celebrities and they have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> I know you guys get a lot of requests for the dreadful cartoon series Hammer Man. Yes, yes we do. Yes, we do. It's one of our more requested series. We haven't done it because we don't want to. <laughs> uh,
1: we'll probably get to it we'll, eventually. We'll get
0: to it soon. We'll get to it we soon. We don't
1: like ourselves well enough to never get to it. Yeah. Um, That's the-
0: But we know it's going to be a hard one. Uh, I remember it too, and yeah, it's pretty terrible. I think it surfaces on Boomerang every now and then, but I think you'd get a kick out of this. Uh, Three years ago, my spouse and I were watching Big Time Rush. Yes, uh, we watch a lot of teen sitcoms. Mm -hmm. They're funny, and we don't feel guilty about it. Maybe you should. Uh, in season four, the band's manager, Gustavo, pitches a cartoon series where the guys would find magical shoes that would turn them into magical dancing dudes. Ah! Gustavo then launches into a rapping, note for note, a rewrite of the Hammerman theme. <sighs> oh dear, I wound up cackling like a maniac for a good solid three minutes. Keep up the good work. I wanted to offer some of my own suggestions for series, focusing on sitcoms, since I think they tend to get ignored when people talk about One Season Wonders. We need uh, to do more of those next
1: year, by sitcoms. the way. We meant to do more sitcoms this year. Yeah, they yep. kept getting the short shrift. We have a lot of sitcoms to catch up on, and yeah, we we'll promise we'll do more do next a, year. Do a
0: sitcom month, I'm sure. Yeah, um, at least. Uh, Pain, the remake of Faulty Towers, he yep. recommends. Nearly Departed with Eric Idle yep. uh, from 89. And The Duck Factory.
1: Ah, The Duck Factory. I want to do The oh. Duck Factory. <clears throat> and...
0: The new monkeys. Uh, that's all the suggestions <sighs> they have at the moment. I'll keep listening if you guys keep watching. Thanks again. Okay. Well, um, thank you very much. Yeah, the new uh, the new Mon- monkeys is a difficult one to track down. But uh, just to catch you up, you all remember the monkeys from the '60s. Uh, the mm-hmm. way they put together that that show was they actually like had auditions for band members. They kind of assembled their own band. It turns out they all have really good uh, chemistry. Uh, they got a lot of guff because they don't play instruments and they don't play their own songs. Actually, they were talented musicians and they did end up writing their own songs and I actually really dig the Monkees, mm. uh, thanks to my wife, who is actually the monkeys obsessive in our household. Uh, but in the 1980s, they tried to do the same thing over again with a new quartet of young boys mm-hmm. and they made like an 80s kind of new wave knockoff version of the monkeys in their own sitcom called The New Monkeys. Uh. and the band was called The New Monkeys, and you can find like... A New Monkeys video on YouTube somewhere. <sighs> and maybe some clips from the show.
1: Yeah, no, thank if, you. If we
0: can find it. Well, we, we, still, we still don't want to do it, but we'll, we'll subject no, we'll, ourselves to it.
1: We'll do it. We, again, we don't yeah. like ourselves very much. Here's a letter from Maria. <laughs> Hi, Maria. Hi my name is she probably also doesn't talk like that Hi. <laughs> my name is Maria and I discovered cancel too soon a couple of weeks ago and fell in love I really like how you mix the humor with the knowledge of the cinema and the TV world mm-hmm. you're doing a great job and I look forward to future podcasts thank you very much mm-hmm. now when I saw that you were covering Alexander the Great I was very excited I'm actually a big nerd of Greek and Roman culture mm-hmm. I don't care what you are doing if you just mention something about classical culture I'm in you said that they would end up descending into having Alexander fighting Medusa or other Greek monsters I don't know if that's that was the intention of the creators. But uh, once he conquested Egypt, he actually claimed to be the son of Amon, the ram god, equivalent to Zeus in Greek mythology. I think this <laughs> little bit of trivia could have actually been interesting if the show went into a more fantasy setting. Uh, being religious... I'm oh, sorry, hold on. I lost my... Answer. Oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah. Being religious is an important part of Greek society. Being Since religion is such an important part of Greek society, I don't think it would have been hard to integrate an element of fantasy in the show without being completely historically inaccurate. Although I have never seen the show, or no the show did that. They are either very serious or very silly when talking about mythology. This actually bothers me a lot, because a great part of all greco roman mythology is how ordinary the fantasy is, and it's great. Mm-hmm. Sorry, this sounds boring, but I really, really love the tone of books like *The Odyssey*, and I just feel sorry that no one's been able to capture that magic in modern media. Yeah. Anyway, everybody has their little passions. I can see that yours is the world of entertainment, and you are doing marvelous work. Also, in a quick note. Okay. I've heard you say a couple of times that the original Hanna-Barbera Scooby-Doo sucks. Mm-hmm. I'm actually from Spain, which means that I watched the dubbed version where they got rid of the laugh track. I love Scooby-Doo, but I couldn't get through an entire original episode with that laugh track. <laughs> Think what you want about the show, but just with that small change, the show actually had a better tone. I'll listen again next week. Keep doing this great job.
0: Okay. Uh, I'm going to stand by my statement that Scooby-Doo sucks and that we look at it through rose-colored glasses. Very, Mm -hmm. very thick, dim rose-colored glasses. Uh, As for, uh, yeah, the gods being incorporated into uh, Greek dramas in the modern age, Mm. uh, yeah, there's sort of this movement kind of to get away from the gods showing up. They did that Clash of the Titans thing, but everything mm. was, like, really muddy. And there were some weird religious messages mm. that I, weren't really well thought out. I thought kind of e- folded in, even
1: though, obviously, they, they played very fast and loose with the mythology, I thought the Percy Jackson movie was actually Percy, pretty fun. The,
0: the Percy Jackson movies, you gotta go to, like, the Ray Harryhausen era stuff to get mm. the really good rendition of that. Do you remember Wolfgang Peterson's Troy from the I early 2000s? just about to bring that up. The biggest problem with Troy, uh, in a, a movie that had a <laughs> lot of problems... True. Uh, was that the gods weren't in it? Yeah. Um, they talked a lot about how the gods are looking over us, and if you've read the Iliad, the gods are playing an active role in this stuff. They're, they're practically like on playing the with ba- action figures. Yeah, they're on the battlefield pushing stuff around, and if you take that out, the Iliad is just a bunch of dudes stabbing each other.
1: When you look at mythology, Greco-Roman mythology, and I know mm-hmm. uh, Maria, we don't need to explain this to you, but mm-hmm. just for everyone else. Uh, the gods were real active participants in everyone's lives mm. in all of those stories. They were wandering around, oh. getting involved and doing stuff. And when they did Troy, they took all the gods out, and the story just became another war story. Mm. And that's something I think we're a little hesitant to do, is to treat the fan- something that fantastical as that kind of humdrum. Mm. And it's a shame, because I think you could do something great with that. Like mm. I would love to see... Like a television series right now that was about, I mean, we had American gods, mm. but that was more about this incredibly high concept thought form idea that mm. what we believe like becomes manifests itself manifests yeah. itself as a god, whether it's literally a god or just the concept of the internet mm. and that we worship it. But the idea of just the Greek gods just doing stuff today. Mm. That they're still around That they're still doing All of their business Yeah Getting you know Ares is, it has a hand In all the wars And everything like that Touched on that a little bit In Wonder Woman I think there's something to that that I would like to see explored a little better. Mm. And uh, obviously Alexander the Great wouldn't have been that. It would have been a different entity. But, like, yeah, there's so much cool stuff. I was such a huge mythology nerd when I was in school, when I was in, like, Mm. elementary school and junior high. And I was just absorbing all the Greek myths and the Mm. Norse myths. And they were just so, so fascinating and exciting and larger than life. And... It rarely translates to, to cinema very well, partially because of visual effects, partially because the stories are kind of odd and people mm. don't seem to have a very good knack for adapting them.
0: That sort of heightened poetic view of the world is difficult for people to accept when most entertainment tries to go for at least a certain degree of realism. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, it's. it would be nice to have something come back, but I think we're far, far away from that kind of mythic filmmaking. Say what you will about... Uh, You know, big Avengers crossover events. That's not mythic filmmaking. That's just putting a bunch of characters together. Uh, Here's one from Kevin. Uh, It says, with the impending release of Marvel Infinity Wars, a meme has sprouted up on Twitter comparing it to other ambitious, noteworthy, or just plain weird crossovers in film and TV. Mm -hmm. It was based on uh, some press release that, that the Marvel company put out. Like, this is the most ambitious crossover in history. Yeah. And people are responding with, well, what about, you know, this obscure thing you forgot about? In regards to this, I was wondering if uh, what some of your favorite crossovers have been, and if you could create a dream crossover between any two shows, what would it be? Uh, uh, so a dream
1: crossover between any two shows.
0: Well, th- my favorite of the, uh, of the meme that I managed to scrape up against on Twitter was uh, somebody posted the Laugh Olympics. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was a fun one. Uh, look up the Laugh Olympics at some point, because I, I can't go into it right here. Uh, there's also Cartoon All Stars to the Rescue, which we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. I think that's more ambitious than something like Marvel. There's one because they I, they already own those characters. You just have to write the screenplay.
1: There's one that I'd really like to see, and I'm not alone on this. And the rumor has that they actually tried to make it work once, or it's still on the back burner. Mm. But I still think it really would be a really fun trip. Would be Doctor Who and the new version of Sherlock. Okay. That's actually, that would just be a really fun crossover event. And okay. It makes sense. They're both in the same oh. tone, if not the same world exactly, <laughs> and it would have been a real hoot, and yeah. I think that would have been really neat. Mm. Uh, you could even do it like the hologram episodes of Next Generation, where okay, they're yeah, actually yeah. entering into Sherlock Holmes, the character, mm. in some way, as opposed to actually entering into him from history. I think oh, that okay. would be a
0: real a real treat. Um I don't know. I'm not sure if there's any crossovers left that I want to see because mm. uh, they've all been done. You know, like Scooby Doo and Kiss met each other. What? what, what can you, <laughs> what's left? What's left after that? I mean, that was a while like ago. Nightbreed and High and Lois. I don't know. It's like <laughs> <laughs> just try to whatever whatever ridiculous shit you can come up with. It's already in production. So you know and. getting excited about a crossover event just doesn't get me excited anymore. I would rather see something new. I would rather see something new. I'm with you. Mm. Uh, Here's one from Patrick. Hi, Patrick. Uh, Hi, guys. Hope you're having another witnerific day. We are. <laughs> That's our new t shirt. Can we make that a new t shirt? No. I'm having a Witnerific day? Just Witnerific. Uh. <laughs> uh,
1: even though I haven't thrown my money onto the Patreon list yet, I have a suggestion for a podcast pilot or just a way to fill time on short episodes. Mm. Not canceled soon enough. Example Fonzie jumping the shark, Laverne and Shirley moving to California, Gus Grissom leaving CSI, Bobby Ewing Returns from the Dead. I got the idea when I attempted to watch all eight seasons of Bewitched. <laughs> <laughs> It's a hell of a hell of a thing. It's a, it's a tough slog, man. I loved the show when I was a kid, but after a, season three, I decided I couldn't bear to watch five more seasons of a man who was ashamed of his wife's talents and constantly abused alcohol and verbally abused her day after day. But, he, right. but he's a time lord. He shifts
0: into another person. Shut up.
1: That, makes it, that makes it less forgivable. He should know better. Uh, Trapper John did us a favor by getting on that plane and letting us know when MASH should have ended. <laughs> Thanks for everything you guys do. Between cancel too soon and critically acclaimed, and the guys at the schmoes, the week goes by a lot faster. I wanted to address this email because we actually get this request a lot. Yeah. Like almost every day sometimes of not canceled soon enough. And the problem with this idea, which actually sounds like a good idea, and I agree with you, Mm. it's probably a better idea for an article than a podcast because in order to do that justice, we'd have to watch the whole thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You have to figure out, like, where it, it actually turned at what point, and, you know, mm-hmm. we'd have to watch, like you said, a show that went on for eight, nine, ten seasons, yeah. and we don't have that kind of disposable time. <laughs> like, even
1: Cancel Too Soon can be a real time sink mm-hmm. when it's a show that lasted 20 episodes mm-hmm. or more. You know, again, total we- recall! <coughs> Charlie G- <laughs> my mother the car. Oh, sorry, I had my mother the car, and the... but like, <laughs> and, and listen, we're gonna do more of those mm. as time goes on. But like, yeah, that's 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 a lot of time oh. to commit to this, um, and and not to doing other things like spend time with our families or sleep. Mm. So. And maybe if we were making a lot more money doing it, we, we totally would. So, oh, hey, absolu- go, to, absolutely, yeah. go to our Patreon.com slash Cancel Too Soon page if, if, if you want to help out with that. But If we didn't have our Joe jobs, then yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be great. But as it stands, yeah, it's a practical consideration. We like the idea for the record a lot of people have suggested it we like the idea I'm sure there's a couple of shows that we're familiar with that we could tell you right now mm. extended past their expiration date I'll say this right now as good as a handful of the episodes of the recently returned X-Files has been the last two seasons we were fine it probably shouldn't have gone
0: past like season six season yeah season Around six the, was when it started to sour and just cut off there there's no
1: good. episode of the X-Files after that that was so good uh-huh. that it justifies sitting through all the rest of those episodes of the x-files
0: here's something really cool before i guess this is before they rebooted the x-files like on tv audible put together canonical audio versions of the x-files with the original cast so it's david Duchovny and jillian anderson and everybody else like Uh getting together doing like all this other stuff it turns out in that in that continuity the lone gunmen were still alive and they'd moved into this underground bunker underneath a cemetery. That's fun. And they were helping people out. Great. Whereas in in the new version, they were just dead. Yeah. And there was like some sort of secret repository there, but yeah, in, in this version, they're alive, so we got to interact with them. There's a shape-shifting alien, so dead characters came back and the actors got to come back, so Krychek is in there. Oh, God, Krychek. Um, came that back. That was way better than the reboot of The X-Files. Wait,
1: Krychek came back? Did Krychek came back? Or the, uh, who was, uh, Oh the, the one arm spender guy? no spender came spender back came spender came back, came back. Yeah. that was it was really bad, yeah, and, the, okay. and
0: the and the uh, Doggett and Reyes, the characters you don't care about, they just sort of like get abducted and they're just gone. <laughs> I like Doggett, Doggett wasn't that bad. Also, Reyes wasn't that bad.
1: They weren't bad characters, were the, but just by that point, the show was tired yeah, and they had no premise. They had no pre- you, They lost sight of everything that made it work.
0: Whether or not the actors are good or bad is beyond the point. Whether or not they're good characters is beyond the point. We just don't care about the X Files anymore. The are trying be, to breathe life into this. I'd be totally
1: like fine if we completely rebooted the X Files. There, I said it. Take <laughs> it away. Away from Chris Carter, he had a, he had his moment, uh-huh. and frankly, every time he Monster of the Week episodes were fine, but every time he had to do something even remotely resembling a story episode, especially mm-hmm. in the last two seasons, just keep it to yourself, man. I mean, <laughs> it, 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 did, it helped nothing. You just made it worse. Yeah, you just made it worse mm-hmm. every single time. It got real bad. So that's, so, so that's we my can, can speak to the, lit.
0: cause we've seen the Axe Files. We can yeah. speak to that, but yeah, there's so many other shows that we just not familiar enough with. Yeah. I, I'm not a, a happy days fanatic. I've seen a couple, mm-hmm. so I can't really speak to sort of the arc or the strength of happy days. Like when,
1: when did Chicago hope like fall apart? Yeah, yeah. I'm not
0: going to find that out. <laughs> I don't we'll need never to know, know that. I don't, I'm, um, I'm done, but what, thank you. One more letter. Yeah. One more letter. Okay. This one comes from Jesse. Uh, this is Jesse from San Antonio, Texas. Hi, Jesse from San Antonio. Hi. Um, I, as well, was obsessed in the 90s with spontaneous combustion. I think I mentioned that on an episode. Oh, yeah, we're talking about that. I remember watching specials on TV about spontaneous combustion. I'm not too sure if my memory is mixing bad television shows, but I swear on my life that even the show Rescue 911 covered a spontaneous combustion episode. It's entirely possible. I used to watch Rescue 911. That was the uh, docudrama series hosted by William Shatner, where they reenacted real-life 911 uh, calls. Yeah, yeah, I remember now. Yeah, my, my sister was a big fan of that show. Uh, which of any shows have you reviewed or watched that could have benefited from an episode that covers spontaneous combustion? <laughs> Thank you for the awesome content, All right, Jesse. That's, that's, that's pretty great. Uh, um, um, any of them. Any Any, of our shows. Any of our shows. Law and Order Los Angeles. The 100
1: Lives of Black Jack Savage. Yeah. You Don't Know Jack would have been a great spontaneous combustion episode. Uh Uh-huh. That would have been real funny, actually. (laughs) If the host
0: just spontaneously combusted. Boom. (laughs) Done.
1: (laughs) Done. Uh, Master Ninja would have had a great Spontaneous Combustion episode. Yeah. And
0: any and all of the... I would love to have seen a Spontaneous Combustion episode of Imaginary Mary. Oh. One of, one of the kids is just out of the show after that. They just catch on fire. Hot Springs Hotel. <laughs> Randy Man gonna blow up on the screen now. What? <laughs> ah. Where's my fire? <laughs> Randy's having sex with a fire. Terrorvision would have had the best spontaneous combustion episode oh, because
1: someone it would, would have, have happened just, off
0: screen. Yeah, it would
1: have happened off screen, and it would have yeah. been like, "Oh, why did they spontaneously combust?" Turns out there was a fire demon. Oh, okay. Credits. That's credits. <laughs> like, that would have been the whole. <laughs> I missed vision.
0: <laughs> it's still there I know there. I wish
1: there had been more of it in I that, really in do in that
0: weird nebulous <laughs> spot it occupied in history it's one of the
1: weirdest <laughs> damn shows we've ever done and I loved every minute of it it was so great
0: spontaneous human combustion is fascinating uh, I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've written essays on it it's great thank you very much
1: mm. alright so that is it for Cancel Too Soon mm. uh the Robinsons Lost in Space was definitely canceled too soon. Next week, we will be back with a review of The People as chosen by our Patreon subscribers. Again, don't forget, you can go to patreon.com slash Um All contributions are welcome. There are different tiers. Uh, for $5 a month, you get the bonus episode of the Cancel Too Soon monthly movie, mm-hmm. uh, where we review monthly movies, uh, or movies... TV movies, TV miniseries, specials. This week we're going to be doing, or this month we're going to be doing Lonesome Dove, one of the most acclaimed TV miniseries Mm. ever. And we have a special guest coming in to talk about that. That's going to be real neat. Um, And um, you also get to vote for one episode every month. You get bonus content. We just scheduled our latest Google Hangout for our top tier subscribers. That will be on April 18th. At uh, 2 p.m. Pacific, so market calendars. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you want to get in on that, and you haven't already, you can always boost up your tier. Um, and uh, am I forgetting anything?
0: Oh, uh, Twitter. Oh, and I, I'm on Twitter. You are. I'm on that that the twits. Where are you? Uh, at I, on the I Twitter. I am at Whitney Seibold. That's Whitney with no H and Seibold with an E I, which is why you haven't found me yet. Yep, because my name is spelled wonky.
1: And uh, I'm on Twitter at William DeBiani. We are at Cancelcast. Don't forget, you can also hear us every week on Critically Acclaimed, the movie review podcast, at the SK Plus YouTube channel or the Schmoes No iTunes feed. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, we're going to be doing a double feature of the French New Wave musical classic, The Umbrellas of Cherbourg, and a bad movie of our choosing, which mm-hmm. will be reviewed. Field next Sunday. Won't that be a treat?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I've watched that bad movie that we selected already. That's a big stink burger.
1: Uh, that is my revenge to you, <laughs> sir. That is my revenge to oh, you. Yeah. Make me watch Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what?
0: Whatever you got, I can take it. Uh-huh. Throw anything at me. I'll, oh, don't, a, I'll watch that. That is a challenge, sir. And I, I intend <laughs> to take
1: you up on that. Everybody, thank you very, very much for listening. Stick around. we got a lot of more great content coming up on Pilot Season. That is a wrap, folks. We will see you next season. <laughs>